Ascot, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading. The voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome everyone to this episode of Let's Do Lunch. I am Jenny Tishi. I'm a registered nutritionist and author of several cookery books, but really at heart, I'm an absolute foodie. And this podcast is a series of interviews with experts in their field, people that have got life experience of some of the issues that we're going to be discussing. And actually, that's pretty pertinent today. This is a slightly different take. The show that I'm going to be talking about or the subject I'm going to be talking about on today's show is the connection between grief and food. So allow me to introduce to you someone who is a friend, who I count as a friend and someone who I have got to know uh, probably over the last, now let me just see, how many years are we talking here, Janet, that we've got to know each other? Oh, sorry. It'll be two That will be just over two years. Two it was, years. Um, and quite shortly after my tragedy. I thought, yeah, because we were, we were speaking um, around the time, sort of just prior to uh, your loss, and we had got to know each other a little bit, but then it was just a very quiet period, wasn't it, when things just mm. changed for you. They absolutely, I mean, do you want to introduce oh. what happened to you during that time? Uh, yeah. So anyway, hi, Jenny. And uh, it is great to be on the show. I do believe this is a really important subject to speak about, as you know, because mm. we've had this conversation. Um, so what happened to me back in July 2019, I was going about my life. I was having a great time, very successful business. I just designed a handbag that was going to revolutionize, revel, can't get that word out, but you know the one I mean, um, that would change women's life. It would help them to feel happier, healthier, and smarter, the whole thing. And life was just very, very exciting. I just started to take orders for these handbags. All manufacturing was in place. And then completely out of the blue, I went to bed one night um, Believe and I still had three healthy, happy children. And I then got a phone call to say that my youngest son had died. Um, And to say that is life-changing is an understatement. So I think you and I were speaking just before because we were going to collaborate, weren't we, with my handbag and I was going to bring you in as a nutritionist where we could help to educate people and help women feel better. Um, And then, boof, my life just, well, smashed apart. I won't even say broke apart. So Yeah, it did. And then we spoke after. Yeah, We did. And it was one of those, I think both the profession that you were in prior to this devastating, life-changing moment for you, and the industry that I have been involved in, the career that I was involved in, I think we'd always been able to look upon things in a 
a positive light. We'd always been able to try and put the positive spin. I mean, you were called the happiness millionaire. You still are. I still am. You In fact, I'm coming are. back to the happiness millionaire. It's, it's been a long road back to the happiness millionaire. But absolutely. I mean, you know, for the last, well, since 2011, uh, my business was all about happiness and how we can uh, create more, how we can be empowered in our life and all those things. And and so, uh, yeah, when, when I lost uh, my son, Murray, he was 22. And um, so he died in a climbing accident in Edinburgh. And, um, and when that happened, I, I'll be honest, I just thought, I'm not sure I now know anything about happiness. I, mm. I felt um, lost at sea. And I, and I did question whether what I had done before was correct. Um, two years on, I would say, yes, it was. And, and I now use it to, you know, fulfill my life and this next chapter of my life. So it's important work. And things certainly have changed for you. You are coming Mm. to us, uh, from your new abode up in Scotland. So we'll talk about that. Certainly your experiences have led you to be where you are today and Mm -hmm. it, seems to me and obviously I know you uh, personally as well that this experience has allowed you to reflect but what you again what you had before and what you wanted to share before that ethos hasn't changed you now want to share your experiences but not just your personal experiences what you've learned from those that you can help others with and in fact you're a podcaster yourself aren't you (laughs) I am yes and I think it's um it's strange, really. I, I think when you enter into the world of personal development, whether it's in nutrition or mindset or anything, um, it gets right into your blood. And so even when tragedy hits, automatically I felt drawn back into this world. And and that is all about helping others. Um I believe that you can heal when you help others. I believe that's a quicker route to healing. And um, but at the same time, in these last two years, I have taken notice of the journey that I was on um, without trying to control it. I, you can't control something like this. Um, it it takes you, you know, it takes you on the journey. So but I have been very observant and I have spent time reflecting and listening and learning. That's for sure. I would say what has struck me is your observational skills and how in tune you are with your own, with yourself. Because some of the earliest conversations that we had after losing Murray were about eating. Now, obviously, you've got a wealth of people within your network. And I was one of those lucky enough to be able to help in the way that I could using my specialist subject. But you knew to ask the questions. And so if you can share with the audience what happened to you and what happened to your connection or lack of connection, perhaps, with food after you lost Murray. That's really interesting, the way you've stated that. My lack of connection or my connection, I would say it would be my lack of connection with nutrition, Mm -hmm. but an absolute connection with food. Um, And this was brand new to me. I, you know, I've always liked a bar of chocolate. There is no secret in that. I even write that in my book. (laughs) But, um, but subsequent to Murray, 
um, I was I was craving food in a way. Two reasons, I suppose. One to change my state. You know, we comfort eat, so it's like, how can I improve the way that I'm feeling? Um, the other, which I have after doing some research, I found is quite uh, more pertinent, and that is eating to punish yourself, eating to cause harm. Mm. Um, And in those early days, that's exactly what I was doing. Excuse me. Um, Because in the beginning, life is just blasted apart. um, And there's a part of you that doesn't want to be here. So for me, it was like, how can I cause harm to this body of mine? And so I was eating really, really badly, like two packets of biscuits a day, crisps, Coca-Cola, everything that I absolutely knew was wrong, was bad for me as a human being. Uh, And even bad for me emotionally, I knew that that was going to damage me. Um, And like I say, I have spoken, I've created my own bereaved parents group on Facebook and I speak to other groups in Facebook. And I've put this question out there about food and and how people, um, their relationship with food. And many of them come back Either that they've done what I did and they've overeaten, eaten the wrong things, partly because of punishment, partly because of uh, comfort. And also the other end of the scale where people can't eat. Now, I've experienced two kinds of grief, really. The one where I couldn't eat, where um, I lost a, a love of mine years ago. And um, not to death, unfortunately, to another woman, but it stopped me eating and I lost loads of weight. With losing Murray, I went completely the other way and I then gained a considerable amount of weight. So I, I think there are two things and you never know which way grief is going to hit you, I don't think. Having had both of those experiences, that's quite interesting because both of them would be defined as grief and yet your behaviours, your reaction, your response to each type or each experience was different. Have mm. you reflected on why that might be? I have actually. And I, and I think um, the first grief that I talked about there, the, the loss of, um, of my lover, I suppose, if one of a better word, um, that was fear um the and the fear of will i find someone else or what's my life like now and all my dreams with this man had been shattered and i think that was the thing that the that those have been shattered and that it affected me as the as the woman mm-hmm. now with losing murray um that affected me as a mother yeah. and i think that's a much bigger thing and I felt hopeless and helpless so um, whereas before I knew it was up to me and I didn't know how or what I could do yeah this one 
was it up to me? I didn't know. My life, my life was so torn apart. I had no idea what to do. So what am I going to do? I'm going to eat. And what am I going to eat? I'm going to eat biscuits and chocolate and anything, really. And you talk about, I mean, the obvious connection between eating a diet which is made up of chocolates and biscuits and yes. fizzy drinks. We think of probably most likely is weight, is weight gain. Um, but we also know that those very foods would create potentially other side effects. So did you experience yeah. things such as poor sleep? Were you in heightened anxiety? You would expect, of course, those things to be associated with grief, but perhaps were they exacerbated by what you were consuming at that time, do you think? Um, I think that, that that's a bit of a hard one to answer because grief will do all of those things, as you've just said. Mm. But what I do recall is a physical feeling. I could feel my heart was beating faster. So I may be exhausted and trying to sleep, but my heart was going faster. Um, I felt almost like my organs were getting crushed mm -hmm. as I was then putting the weight on. I didn't have as much energy. I couldn't move as quickly. Now, again, I know grief does that, but this also felt with carrying that extra weight that it felt um, that that was, you know, part of it as well. Um, you know, I've, I put on about a stone and a half, so I'm only five foot one and I'm usually sort of a size eight to ten and then I suddenly I'm, you know, more of a size 12. Now, a lot of people might think, oh, well, that's not that much then. But actually, when you're a small frame, it is quite a lot and it and it does have a very physical feeling. And, and like you say, I, I've never really put weight on um before, you know, other than the losing the weight, um, I lost about a stone and a half, ironically, when this guy left me. Um, and that was very different. I was like a skeleton. That was really quite horrible, actually. But it didn't take long to put that weight on when mm. I, when the happiness came back. Um, but my happiness is slowly returning. But this weight isn't going very quickly. <laughs> Aha. Yeah, well, we should, be, we should talk about that as well. And Let's it's do often, that. Uh, when people uh, lose someone and or have something devastating happen in their family, one of the ways in which neighbours and others try and help is by providing food. It's a connection it's something I think people yeah. feel that they can do, even if they don't know the person that well, it's something that they can do. Did that happen mm. for you? Yes, it did. I mean, I was very, very fortunate. I, you know, I was in a community where I knew a lot of people and obviously with the business that I have, you know, I was surrounded by people. So I regularly had food being delivered. Um, certainly in the first couple of months, you know, people made sure that I ate uh, and they brought me, you know, great food, lovely dishes, and that so much wasn't the problem. I think that, um, you know, maybe if there had been more of a focus on greens, honestly, I don't know. I, I was in such a bad state that um, I, I was going to have the rubbish no matter what people brought for me. Did you, did you eat what people brought or did you find that that was almost off-putting, eating a meal? Did you find that your appetite was affected? For real food, you know, if, you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. No, I was putting anything in my mouth. Mm -hmm. um, it helped to pass the time. Um, 
I was, you know, some people turn to running more and going out more and become hyperactive sometimes in grief. And that, that didn't happen to me. Um, I was, I was floored. I would spend a lot of time in bed day or night. Um, and so when there was food there, then it was like, oh, well, I'll do that with my time. So I, I was eating, I, you know, I was eating the food people brought and I was eating all the rubbish on top of the food that people brought. It was almost like meal. there wasn't a meal time. I was just eating. I was awake. I was eating. Yeah, I, I that's, you know, I know we've talked about this, but it is quite a, a common attitude. And I think some of the things that you've talked about there, we know that those high sugar, high fat foods can provide this sort of feel good in the short term, but not in the long term. And that certainly is sounds like it's the case with you. Yeah. Um, but also almost like this punishment, this connection with, well, these aren't foods that I would normally eat because I wouldn't normally eat them because they're not very good for me. So what I want to do right now is put bad into me. So that's my punishment. Is that mm. something in the forums that you have, well, one that you've set up and others that you've engaged in? Is that something that seems mm. like a common theme? It does. And, and also, like you use the word normal, mm. there was nothing normal about my life. So there was no normal eating pattern. There was no, there was just nothing normal. Um, what, what had ha- what I'd had previous to Murray's death had also died. So I, I guess I was on, I was on new territory and, um, and at that point that could be anything. So, yeah, I think you just make up the rules to survive at that point. Thinking about, normal and not normal or abnormal thinking about your sort of timetable if you like I would imagine that prior to losing Murray you had quite a structure to your day you probably Mm. ate your breakfast at roughly the same time each day your lunch and your Mm. evening meals the same do you think Mm. I mean is the schedule something that went out of the window sounds like it was but 100% I mean before Murray I used to do green juicing every morning and I I loved it. I would get out of my bed. I'd go for a three-mile walk up the hill. I was living in Yorkshire. I was known for my three-mile walk. I was known for my green juicing. Um, you know, and now people say to me, oh, but, you know, you get up early in the morning. I'm going, no, the old me got up early in the morning. You know, I've just started to come back to a few green juices, but I don't have the same obsession with it um, just yet. I'm hoping that that's going to come back. But um, yeah, that all that all went out the window. But I'm um, just going back to thinking, you know, as I was consuming these high carbohydrate foods, I think that also contributed to my exhaustion. So I think I was eating so much that I would get this like flood of energy that well, I didn't feel energetic from it, but. And then I would have that crash um, that would take me down. I would feel exhausted again and I would just have another can of Coke or another packet of biscuits. And I just it would just lift my energy a little bit and then crash again. So 
I do not advise my approach is what I'm really trying to say. (laughs) But you know what, Janet, I think you've hit the nail on the head when you said you were not making those decisions. It was happening for you and and against, not against your will as such, of course you were picking up the food or the drink and putting it into your mouth. Mm. But what you explain there is is a a very, uh, it's a common pattern we see in people who are struggling with anxiety, depression and stress, um, which is to rely on those quick fix foods which to your point raise your blood glucose levels pretty quickly it's like it literally it's the grab and consume and the blood sugar rises and of course then the body produces insulin to bring that down and that can cause these peaks and troughs which mm. do change metabolism which do ultimately lead to weight gain and particularly around the middle of the body does that sound like a common thing for you yeah absolutely i i would also say jenny that it was my drug you know mm. I've been so, so down over these last couple of years. And this still comes back occasionally. Um, But I've been so, so down that had I had access to heroin or something along those lines, I probably would have done that instead of the biscuits, bottle of wine, Coca-Cola. Do you know what I mean? So they were my drug, really. Yeah. I've never, I've never done drugs, but I don't know whether people take drugs to punish themselves or to escape. I guess they take drugs to escape. And that's what I was doing with the, um, you know, with that kind of high carb food, really. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if is that does that have a similar uh, effect on the body? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know that um, sugar is when they look at the brains of people that are addicted to sugar, it's the same side of the same part of the brain which is affected by addictions to cocaine um so there is a connection between the two and and typically those that have and you know you don't have to people often talk about whether you're an addictive person or addictive personality or or, you know that is a prerequisite to being someone that relies on something over and over and over again but what happened to you and what happens to many during a period of grief of course is that the body's chemistry changes and so you do end up relying on something but then your body chemistry starts to change back to who you were before your your loss Mm. and so that's where we've seen the change with you um listen i think we should take a a brief pause here and then i think it would be really useful for people to understand what it was that you did or what it was that others did that helped you start to make a change i'm not suggesting for a moment that you are you know back to where you were but it would be really good to understand what things actually helped Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Welcome back. This is me, Jenny Tishi, and this is Let's Do Lunch. This is a show all about food and nutrition. And today we're talking about the connection between food and grief. And I'm joined by Janet Jones, who was known as and still is known as the happiness millionaire. But of course, um, when she suffered a tragic loss, the loss of her son, Murray, the climbing accident, everything changed. And Janet and I have spoken on the subject of the connection between food and grief, um, both on Janet's podcast. We've written about it. This is the podcast of course being the good grief conversation um we've written about it 
But also I wanted to get Janet on my show today so I could quiz her further because I think this is a really pertinent subject. I think it's one that grief affects most of us in our lifetime and the relationship that we have with food is something that we should be uh, aware of and how that's affected by emotion. But in particular, today we're talking about grief. So we've talked about what happened with Janet. We've talked about the relationship um, that you have with food and, and how that changed after your loss. But I would love to know, Janet, what steps you took or what things that other people did for you uh, that helps you get out of that rut that you felt that you were in in terms of your relationship with food? Well, um, I'm going to plug my own book here, actually, because what what was the real catalyst was that people were still buying my book and I had a few requests that they would like an audio book um, this isn't complete yet, so don't do, be on my website one day. <laughs> don't look but, for it yet. <laughs> you're not just yet. Um, so people were asking for an audio of my book. And because in my old house I had a little recording studio, I thought, well, now's the time to record it. But I actually felt afraid of facing the work that the old me did. You know, these were messages from the old me. And I, at that point, I didn't know who I was anymore. I had no idea um, what the future of my life was going to be. Um, So I was quite, I was quite afraid to look at it because I thought, have I written rubbish? You know, people are still buying it. Have I written rubbish? So I started reading through it and recording it. And um basically i started to do my own work and uh, and bit by bit it made changes in me and it gave me courage and strength to say no to the wrong kind of things to eat not on every occasion though jenny good well at least we're not but consistent we don't want to be you know we're not <laughs> complete no right <laughs> but what it did is it, it it allowed me to become aware of that in a really conscious way obviously i was aware of it previously but Previously, I wanted to harm myself. Once I started reading my book, I didn't want to harm myself. I wanted to live again. Um, that's what reading that book did for me. And and so that was actually the beginning. Um, and then I started to take different steps. You know? I love that. So it's almost like that reflection of uh, who you are as a person and Actually, I, I, I'm I'm a great person and I've done some great stuff. And that realisation that this great person needs to continue to be great by looking after herself. What I'm doing at the moment yeah. isn't looking after myself. I won't continue to be able to do the things that I was great at if I don't look after yeah. myself. Is that correct? Am I making that uh, Yes, correctly? or even do something brand new and be great at it. But, you know, because I, I could never see myself going back to what I did mm. and being her again. And, and even though I'm reading my book and I've started to pick up Happiness Millionaire, I would say this is a new version of me doing this. Yeah. I'm not the old person. And, and I have friends and family and they look for the old me in me. Wow. And, and they try to find it. And I'm going, but it, she's not there. You know, I looked at some um, some old video footage of myself because I put in my YouTube channel again. A friend is doing some work on me and, and he said, oh, send me some videos. 
Um, so I thought, well, let's have a look at what I've already got. And honestly, Jenny, I'll share them with you. And I bet you wouldn't know me from that. My energy level is higher. My whole body language is completely different. My eyes look different. Um, and I just think, yeah, we've transitioned. You know, she's been a major part of me, but we've now transitioned. And I actually believe I've got a richer message for the future, to be perfectly honest. Can I ask you, I, I talked just previously about how you reflect on yourself and the work that you produced prior to your loss. How do you think of yourself now? Ah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's a harsh question. How do I think of myself now? Ah, uh, Look, I'm not through the transition yet. I still have dark days, um, less and less. Maybe they're not a whole day, maybe a morning or whatever. I've actually started to do something. It's a little bit crazy, but it seems to be working. And um, I've started, so let's go back. So the things that I did once I, after reading my book and, and getting myself back on track, as you know, I then went and sold my family home. Mm. Um, and that was very hard thing to do and I also got rid of just about everything too much actually because the number of times I thought oh bugger I used to have one of those (laughs) (laughs) but I wanted to shed everything I wanted to get rid of everything and even my wardrobe I got rid of so much out of my wardrobe and uh, and to start anew and my new life brought me to Stranraer in Scotland uh, and I now have a very cute little cottage right on the beach Uh, so I'm very very fortunate So my crazy thing that I do is I now walk to a rock that is on the beach. She's two miles from here and two miles back. So I do a four mile round trip as long as the tide allows. And um, I now talk to this rock and this rock is called Sylvia Rose. And um, when I, I am a little bit nuts, you know, I think if you're (laughs) going to... (laughs) If you're going to, um, you know, promote happiness, there has to be something a little bit nutty about you. So um, previously I used to walk to a lamppost. My lamppost is in my book, which is the Happiness Millionaire book. Um, So when I moved to Scotland, I thought I need another lamppost version. My lamppost used to get me out of bed in the morning. and, And if I didn't know what to do with my day, I'd start it with that. And then the day would unfold. So when I moved here, I felt I needed something similar. And I was out walking along the beach and I saw this rock, this beautiful rock. And um, and I just thought, oh, I wonder if this could be my next destination. So I put this on Facebook and I felt very strongly that this rock had female energy. So uh, I put on Facebook, I wanted to name her and... Um, And so there were several suggestions from people. And a friend of mine said Sylvester, as in Sylvester Stallone. I'm going, what what have you missed about this being (laughs) female energy? (laughs) So he said, okay, Sylvia then. I thought, okay. Mm. And then another girl suggested Rose from the Rose Quartz, representing love and harmony. So... There was Sylvia represented bravery and courage and Rose represented love and wisdom and 
or compassion, all those things. And I just thought that is so perfect. So now I walk to Sylvia Rose and we have a dialogue that is just about whatever shows up on the morning. So it's random. Um, but it's generally around, I know that it's time to be brave. I know I require courage because trust me, the temptation to stay in bed under my duvet and not face the day without my son is massive. I have a little shop across the road. The temptation to go over for a bottle of wine and chocolate is massive. But that walk and those that dialogue, it strengthens me and um and I'm believing it's strengthening others as well because it's actually going down quite well on Facebook. So I'm now putting a blog together. Um, if anyone wants that, you just go to happinessmillionaire.com and uh, the Sylvia Rose blog is there. I love this. I love this idea. So the three mm. mile a day, Janet, has become the four mile a day, Janet. The lamppost has become it has. a rock. There are some yeah. similarities with things that you know that have worked for you in the past. Yeah. Is there anything else that you've brought from your past into where you are now that we do, that you would say, given that you are someone that's so in tune and so great at self-reflection, that has helped you that could potentially help others? Um, something that I've brought from my past. I mean, that's the key. I would say the, the Sylvia Rose is the key. And that dialogue is, it's new, but it I know that it works. Mm. Um meditation and and working on my subconscious mind and and I I probably pray more now than than ever yeah that makes makes sense to me and doing this walk it's daily that you do your walk to Sylvia Rose? Uh, pretty much so like I say it is tide dependent um ah. I have to watch the timings of the tide I, but I have monitored it so much that I know well if it's on its way in but if I've got a couple of hours I can run up to Sylvia Rose and back and I'm and I won't I won't get wet um so it, that adds excitement, though, a little frisson, you know. I love that. So, so, so you're um, one of these people I know when people move to the sea, they often become absolute aficionados when it comes to the tide timetable. You've become Absolutely. one of those. A tide, yes. I, want, I don't even want to say tide bore because I have family that move to the sea and they seem to always know. They're like oracle if ever I say, do you think we could get to here by then? And they say, oh, yeah. yes, I think yeah. we all oh, know you mustn't go now. No, that's not a good time. <laughs> Or you won't get a swim. That's me, Jenny. Yeah, yeah. great. Well, I'll, be, I'll look forward to coming to visit and finding yes. out. Um, Can't wait. And these, uh, and these walks and your avoidance, which, do you know what? That's a really important thing, isn't it? It's almost like the walk, it's not in place of what you might do otherwise, but it's certainly helping your decision making with regards to popping to that shop and getting the wine or popping to the shop yeah. and getting the chocolate bar. Would you feel that your move up to Stranra? which is quite a move, and your move to the sea, yeah. which we know can be very therapeutic for many, has given you more of a sort of a strength when it comes to your decision-making around food. Uh, yeah, I, but I would say because it's new. Now, you were, you know, the environment is new, and so it piques a different interest. But you were saying, but what else have I brought in? And actually, here's what I have brought in. And this is the this is the thing that also makes a difference. So I walk to the rock instead of the lamppost. Mm -hmm. You can walk back to happiness. Happiness is brilliant for mental health and the the brain chemistry, etc. 
But the other thing is, and this is the first principle that I teach in my book, which is about your desire and figuring out what you want. And it's as important to know what you don't want as what it is, what you want. And um, so previously when, you know, the grief was like so dark, um, I wanted to punish myself. Then now I know I don't want to punish myself. I don't deserve that. Um, my children don't deserve that. So that has changed my want and my desire. So as hard as this is to live without my son, my desire to live is now massive. So uh, my, my desire to live my life that is worthwhile, that when I do come to check out, I know that I've left something good behind. That desire has now become really strong. Um, it's taken a while for that to come back, but I would say that it's actually stronger now than it was before losing Murray, because now I know life is short mm-hmm. and um, and it is worth living. So that that is what I've brought into this next bit in Scotland. Peter, I knew this was, you made me go now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. I think it's a wonderful thing no. that we can uh, release our emotions. But you, you're absolutely spot on. I think, you know, so many of us get bogged down in what we're planning, planning for this and planning for that. And wonderful that you're almost planning to have a legacy if you can but it's not that's not planning that's just living your life to the absolute fullest because you've had as stark as a reminder as there can be that life is short and living Mm. your life to the fullest is the gift you can give isn't it to those that hear and those that aren't and I absolutely commend you on that I look at what you're doing and I follow what you do and obviously we speak and I have so much admiration and respect for the way in which you have gone about everything that you've done in these past two years I think it's absolutely wonderful and the fact that you actually want to share it with others and empower others is just amazing so thank you thank you thank you and thank you for being on here but that is not the end (laughs) we have more we have more to talk about so um obviously your move to Stranra has has been fantastic for you. Not everyone can sell the family home. Mm. Not everyone mm. can move away. And not everyone has the same kind of get up and go um, as you do. Now, that may sound very, um, oh, I don't know, uh, easy off the tongue for me to say get up and go because mm. you probably don't feel that you have get up and go. <laughs> but I look at someone like you and think the fact that you were – you had the the thought process which has led you to move to a beautiful part of the world and you've had the thought process to get up every day and walk to Sylvia Rose and you've had the thought process to share that with others not everyone is in that situation but given that you are and that that is one of the gifts that you have or one of the things that you're able to do what could you share with others that have gone through or are going through grief based on your own experiences that may also be able to help them not go to the shop that's just across the road and grab the bottle of wine or to make sure that they don't feel they have to go back to where they were. You said about the green juicing, Mm. you know, 
I don't have to be who I was. I don't have to return. I don't have to make massive changes. But is there anything that you could advise people that are going through or have gone through grief from your own experiences that you think just baby steps that could help? Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely baby steps. Um, I think very important is to be aware that, you know, nobody's perfect. There is no one way to do this. There isn't a book. There are many books about grief, but, you know, we're all individual and we don't come with a manual as to how we are going to handle grief. So I would say definitely baby steps. Don't beat yourself up. You know, if you do end up having a bottle of wine, it's fine. You know, I did this just the other day, actually, and I um, it was a Saturday night. It was on my own. I was in the darkness came on and I, I had um, something planned that night and it didn't come off. And suddenly I found myself home alone and I and I was struggling it's like a physical thing and I just thought I I oh sod it I'm off to the shop Mm -hmm. and I went and I got a bottle of wine I got a bag of crisps and I got a bag of uh, Cadbury's big chocolate buttons and I came home and I consumed the lot including the whole bottle of wine Jenny I didn't even have a hangover the day after and I think that's because my emotions were so low um that it, it didn't have an effect. I didn't feel drunk. I didn't feel anything. And um, and then the day after, I actually went to see Sylvia Rose and uh, she gave me a telling off for doing that. <laughs> um, and, and but what the, the dialogue there was about owning it. It's like, if you're going to do that, that's fine, but own it. Don't you beat yourself up. Failure is fine. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do it, Honest to God, it's just fine as long as you're aware of it, as long as you're not doing that day after day after day without being aware of what you're doing. So, uh, you know, be aware, own it, and it's okay, but then come back. It's like come back to base, you know. And I would say that if you you are down the route where high carbs are your thing and and they make you feel better, or you think that they make you feel better, then also add some of your recipes in. Make sure that at least one meal or one snack in the day Mm. is of high nutrition because what that's doing is just programming your mind to say, this high carb is okay for now, but I'm taking small steps to bring my nutrition back Mm. because bring the nutrition back and you raise your vibration, you raise your level of energy, you raise your optimism, you raise your hunger for life, for living, you know, but high carbs will not do that for you Yeah, because they didn't do that for me. And I'm a high vibe woman. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? That's absolutely fascinating. I think we'll just take a brief pause here, but you know, I think what we should talk about is whether between us, and I know we've kind of come to some conclusions around this we can help those people listening um, who are going through grief with some of the sort of things that both helped you and from a kind of theoretical perspective are meant to help us get back on track with our nutrition that we've got across the thames valley one more time across the thames valley this this is river radio well now for some pop music try this
Okay, welcome back. This is me, Jenny Tishi, and this is Let's Do Lunch. This is a show all about food and nutrition. And today we're talking about the connection between grief and nutrition. Not an often covered subject. I'm joined today by Janet Jones, uh, known as the Happiness Millionaire, who uh, is someone I met uh, many, many, I say many moons ago. We met about two and a half years ago. And then two years ago, Janet suffered a devastating loss, the loss of her son in a climbing accident. And we have since then talked a lot about food and food and grief and I know Janet you reached out to me amongst other people which was a wonderful thing that you did Um, and therefore that's you know I've been able to bring some of my um, nutrition knowledge to bear but I think you're the person that's really experienced uh, the the grief and the harshest of griefs. Um, So let's see if we can in the final section of today's show try and share some of the things that we feel um, between us could help basically from a a sort of theoretical perspective but also from a very practical perspective so I know um, that one of the things that can help is having you know some emergency meals that are frozen that are pre-prepared now you said people brought meals to you was there any point at which you either had too many or uh, was this something that uh, you actually found it came at a steady flow? Because that's the other thing, right? You're not in a position to say, oh, yeah. no, I don't want that. Oh, I'm not a fan of that. You know, tell me a little bit about your experience there. Well, it was quite funny because, you know, 80% of the time I'm vegetarian, mm. but I didn't get any vegetarian meals. <laughs> but at the same time, I, you know, I was so low. I, I wasn't caring. Yeah. And that, and I think that was the key. I wasn't caring. Um, but what I would say for anybody who has a friend or a relative who is grieving and you're thinking, you know, um, how can I help? And you want to take some food it might be a nice idea to just say, what would you like? And they might not be able to think. They might just say, just bring me anything, which is great. Um, in which case, you know, then look at books like yours where you're looking at nutrition. Um, it is important to get that nutrition in, as as we both know. Yeah, absolutely. Because it affects the brain, you know, and it, it affects the heart, it well, you know this better than I do. You know, it affects the gut first. Yes. <laughs> Who am I talking to here? <laughs> no, we have talked about that. But I mean, also yeah. some of the things that, I mean, you actually referred to it earlier on, uh, the joy of cooking was lost to you in the early days. Oof. You didn't even yeah, yeah. think about getting back in the kitchen. And yet it is something that you enjoy. So that's something that, you know, if you can, I think you said, if you can cook one meal a week, and it's a yeah. meal that you're familiar with, one that you don't have to look up in a recipe book. It's just there. Maybe mm. it's something that a relative cooked for you when you were younger or you've... Is, is that something that you would recommend people do? Is it one one meal a week? How was it for you? Oh, I, I I haven't even fully got back in the kitchen, to be perfectly honest. One I one my main go-tos is... Um, it's a deliciously Ella... Uh, chili bean recipe mm. it's very very simple like it don't come more simple than this um so i can make that in my sleep and i make a big pot and put that in my freezer and as long as i know i've got some of that in my freezer i won't go hungry so that's my go-to so i suppose that would be quite a good tip to go what is that one thing that you can keep in your freezer 
And you could always ask a friend to make it. You know, if you if somebody is in the really the early stages of grief, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, we all have great friends, and I, I'm sure that you've a friend somewhere who, if you said, "Would you mind?" then they'd be delighted. People always want to help, but they're afraid to ask. And a number of times people say, oh, well, I don't like to ask in case I upset you. Mm. I'm sorry, but I'm upset anyway. It sits right under my skin. Mm. So, yeah. you know, yeah, and I'd rather talk about it than not talk about it. Absolutely. If you don't talk about it, there's a big part of me that you're not paying attention to. And um, so I think those kind of things are important too. Don't be afraid to reach out. And ask. And ask exactly what people would actually like. And even if someone doesn't think of themselves as someone that you know, cooks or can cook for another person, something yeah. that you know, from a nutritional perspective makes sense is to actually have real food rather than processed food. So there yeah. are plenty of brands out there, but the one that probably is the, the most obvious is somewhere like Cook, you know, where you're getting frozen meals that are real food meals that are good quality um, that could yeah. literally sit in someone's freezer and be, you know, be heated up. So that might be something uh, to, to look at as well. Um, yeah. Certainly caffeine, sugar, alcohol, they can all contribute, can't they, to, mm. but in that initial stage, you talked about relying on sugar and sugary foods and high refined carbohydrate foods and people, yeah. I'd like, I was going to say pick their poison, but I don't think it was even a process of picking it was what pick found it. you, it found you, you found it sort of thing. But again, yeah. if you can be aware of that, did you, what about alcohol and caffeine? Were they in the picture for you? What do you think, Jenny? Probably. <laughs> Caffeine in the yes, form were. of Coca-Cola you had on a regular basis, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And um and alcohol was um was up there. I was very aware of alcohol though. Mm. I knew that at that time in that dark space to have it too often, too regularly, I would just create a new problem. Mm. And uh, and again, I wasn't prepared. It was more for my children. I wasn't prepared to put them through, uh, you know, their mother having another problem. They've had enough on their own plates. Yeah. So I, I was conscious of, of being well behaved in in that area. Didn't always achieve it, but I think consciousness is is as good as anything. You know, be aware of your behavior, be aware of your habits and and accept it's just for now. It's not forever. But also be aware if they go on too long as well, because they can they can be tough to get rid of. Yeah. And I mean, you've talked about the fact that two years on, you would say you are in a better place. Would mm -hmm. you say the change for you has been gradual? Has there been any time when you've thought, gosh, that's vastly different. I'm in a much better place suddenly it, it, how has the change been for you to where you are now which is you know you've talked about there being elements in your life which really do give structure that give you the outlets mm. talking to Sylvia Rose walking to and from Sylvia Rose I just love all of that but but from your perspective you know what what do you think it is that can bring that to to other people what advice could you advise or what advice could you give to other people in that area well first of all i would say that it goes up and down like the price of bitcoin okay. right so one minute you can be <laughs> flying high and then boom <laughs> it's a roller coaster um in the early stages you might 
just feels this fleeting feeling in a moment, this fleeting feeling of optimism. Wow, what is that? You know, it, and I can still have that, but then it can be gone in the next breath. So when you, but that's when they say, you know, about the cracks, you know, the cracks are the things that let the light in. And it, and I think those things are just the, the light starting to come in and it proves to you that the light is there. You just got to get through the darkness. Um, so I, yeah, the, those fleeting moments of happiness, of joy, I never thought I would feel joy ever, ever again, you know, but they, they do come fleeting in. Um, yeah, from from surprising angles, really. I love that but, the cracks are what let the light in. That is a wonderful statement, and I think that goes back to that what you were talking about in terms of embracing all. You know, even the times when you feel, and I'm going to put inverted commas, but of course this is audio only. But you appear to have failed. Even that is part of the whole, and that's also a crack, and that crack could be a source of light depending on how you view it once you've owned it. And I think taking responsibility and owning the whole, including the behaviours that you think of as negative, is really important. That's certainly what I'm hearing from you. Definitely. And and those experiences, what they do, they become your teachers. They become the, the, the thing that says, you know, you okay you failed on that one and that was a that was a big fail at that moment in time but that is a great lesson because then the next time that you feel that weakness coming along you actually have strength from that previous failure um i i've had the occasional glass of wine since that bottle but i have never felt the need to go for a whole bottle of wine i don't think i've bought a bottle actually since then but um they they definitely become your teachers don't be afraid don't you know if you get it what is perceived as being wrong it's never wrong nothing can be wrong i mean what's wrong and right that's a different mm. podcast obviously yeah. but <laughs> do another one on that yeah and but i but i think that's i think that is absolutely key um i was just going to say something else a minute ago when you were talking about the nutrition side but it's gone I know. Do you know, I, and I think I think that certainly, and we've had conversations on this, and I've talked about those. Um, we, you know, again talk about that very specifically. But I think the most important thing is that you know, for people today, has been able to listen to your own experience, and I'm really pleased that you've been able to, gosh, <laughs> very raw, but really shared it. And of course, you've had me in tears, yourself in tears, yeah. a very emotive uh, show. And uh, do you know what? That's how it should be. We're talking about a very emotive subject and a subject, obviously, that's affected you very personally. And I'm really grateful to you. So thank you for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about where you're at now and what your plans are going forward. I think it would be really good. I'm sure people will have connected with you uh, thanks to today's show and otherwise. um, But tell people what you're up to at the moment and what your plans are for the future. Um, Well, as I said, I'm living in Stranraer. So um, my plan is, as you previously said earlier, I have a podcast called The Good Grief Conversation. And um, so in the new year, I plan to do another series of that and get some more guests on to talk about grief. I don't believe that, you know, people don't talk about this enough. Mm. Um, We all have one thing in common, and that is that we will die. Uh, But yet nobody wants to talk about it. 
But what I've discovered is that when you acknowledge that you are going to die, it really helps you live. And I mean really live. It makes you fearless because you think, heck, I'm going to be out of here one day anyway. So, yes, I'll do that. Or, you know, so you tend to just have more fun, take more risks. So, I, I you know, I think that's really important. And, and I actually quite, I feel, um, I was going to say I enjoy talking about it, but I feel fulfilled talking about it and I have some amazing guests on the Good Grief conversation and so I will be doing more of that and I'm coming back to Happiness Millionaire. I'm about to start a monthly uh, call where we talk happiness and courage and all those kind of things, getting people's lives back on track or even more fulfilled. So there's a lot happening at Happiness Millionaire and like I said earlier, I really didn't expect that I would be doing this. I I almost deleted everything. Mm. It was a friend of mine who said, uh, "Just Keep just it. leave it for now, right?" Good but friend. I was ready to delete. <laughs> Good friend. I was ready to delete the lot because I hated happiness. I mm. was angry with happiness. You know how dare you do this to me? I was just so angry and I just thought what's the point of happiness you aim for happiness and then you end up in this place anyway honestly Jenny you wouldn't have recognized me I I was I was not in a good place but what I've discovered is actually happiness can save your life and you know what I love that I think the um if people want to find out more do they go to happinessmillionaire.com is that correct yeah, if you go to happinessmillionaire.com, you find everything there. And um, if you there's a grief tab up at the top and that will take you to the good grief conversation. And uh, so, yeah, and anybody who wants a copy of my book, there's um, I've got an offer for an ebook on there. Or you can just go to Amazon and it's Happiness Millionaire, positive images for a rich and powerful life. And will there be uh, a new version of the book, do you think, with uh, your thoughts and your feelings and your experiences since writing it originally? I think there will be a new book. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll be a new version. After reading that over with doing the audio, it stands alone and, and and I know that in its entirety, it's it's very helpful. There wasn't anything in it that I thought, oh, I wish I hadn't have written that or I'm not so sure about that. There wasn't anything. I I just thought, yeah, I stand by every word of this book. Mm. And that's really big, you know, two Mm. years on, I'm like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Um, So no, I'm, I'm still very happy with that book. And like I said, people still buying it. I still get great you know, comments and calls, emails from people. And so I think the next, the next one is going to be a deeper level of happiness. I'm not quite there for writing it yet, but I am writing Sylvia Rose blogs. You know, if rocks could stalk, sorry, stalk, talk, rocks could (laughs) talk, (laughs) meet Sylvia, they might stalk too. So come over and meet Sylvia Rose in my blog. I'd love people to, um, to come and enjoy that. I will do. Right. We've got very little time left. So really quick fire. And these are very quick fire questions. You're on the clock. Uh, Who is your Ah. favorite chef? (laughs) Who's my favourite chef? Well, you, of course, Jen. Oh, no. thank um, you. My, my favourite sort of big time Charlie TV chef is 
it's probably actually um, deliciously Ella, and I love her recipes, and uh, and I think she's lovely and all that kind of thing. So I would generally go there or Jamie Oliver. Of course, I, I use a lot of those two. A lot of those two. And final question: If you had a fancy dinner party, four guests who would be there? I think I know the answer to this. Four guests. Well, one of them actually you won't know the answer to, uh-huh. and this is a guy called uh, Jan Martel, okay. and he's the author. He's the author of Life of Pi, and um, and a book called Self. Okay. And I just I love the guy's writing style, so I would do that. Um, another one would have to be Oprah Winfrey. I mean, who wouldn't have Oprah Winfrey at the <laughs> dinner party? <laughs> yeah, she's a common um, one. She comes up quite frequently on that question. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine she does. And um, and the and another one. Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Tony Robbins because he's yeah. really good at kind of taking people's minds and t- twisting them and yeah. checking them into a different space. So I think I think he would be a really great dinner guest. Brilliant. And one more to make it four. Oh, we're into four. Oh my goodness, fourth. Um, oh, Jenny, you put me on the spot there. Oh, I don't know what. Fourth. I would invite you, Jenny. Oh, that's because a- you're my mate. You're my mate. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> Janet Jones, Happiness Millionaire. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you want to check out thank what you. Janet does, do go to happinessmillionaire.com. And if you're interested in grief, click on the grief tab. Take care. See you next Windsor, week. Windsor, Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead, Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham, Henley, Henley Reading.